Hello everyone, welcome to Spoiler Alert, a weekly talk radio show for movie and television lovers. Please be aware of spoilers, otherwise you may just find out that Robert Durst killed them all, of course. Yes, tonight we are talking documentaries, and I simply cannot do it alone. I am joined by glamorous recluse and raccoon aficionado, Sonny Stanger, and cantankerous folk singer, Jeremy Leguie. Hi. <laughs> Who told you about that? No, I'm serious. Who let you know? Hi, Sean. Hi. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Um, that felt like welcome. a very accurate description for me. I'm going to be honest. Mm. Um, I choose my descriptions very carefully. Yeah, yeah, you really nailed There's it. There's a lot of work, a lot of time and effort that goes into those. Yeah, I'm not just going to call you a thin blue line or something random. Mm. <laughs> it wouldn't be accurate. <laughs> I would if you, but if you called me a thick blue line, I would lose. It. That would be great. <laughs> you are wearing a blue You're wearing right blue. Now. I know. I know. Blue I know. is your color, but maybe the warmest color. <laughs> That is not a documentary. That's not a documentary, you can't bring it up so on this show. never mind. <laughs> um, you guys, what is your earliest I don't want to exposure maybe to the idea of documentary. Cause not a lot of children are out here watching Ken Burns or whatever. <laughs> presumably. Honestly, the one that I can think of watching the earliest was probably Stop Making Sense. Which, like, is that a doc? I mean, that's a documentary, right? A concert film like that? Yeah. What we've discovered, what I've discovered is that there's a million types of documentary over this, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. there is. Over this week. And, uh, yeah, it's a very broad term, basically. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, I... my mom would always watch it. And so I remember seeing that as, like, probably, like, a 10-year-old. And just being like, this guy has a giant suit, and this is fun. <laughs> That's fair. That's a good description. And I still love talking uh, heads think... to this day, so it works. Well, there you go. I think the only like the one, the only one, the earliest one that comes to mind is Bowling for Columbine. Mm. That's my and too. like supersize me, supersize me. Oh, like that yeah. was also around that same sort of. Mm. Which one was first? I think Bowling um, for Columbine because I remember being in what grade 10 or 11 and just being like oh this is like a rock star documentary like he is turning this on its head baby (laughs) maybe yeah uh that's a really great question sean because i definitely was aware of them Mm. like i didn't see bowling for columbine and think like oh this is revolutionary you know like i that definitely wasn't the attitude but um i can't think of anything before that really Mm. To me, I was I mean, like, this I, is my yeah. first. I felt like seeing him use music and footage in ironic ways or like um, ways to show critical, just to criticize um, mm-hmm. pop culture in general. I thought was like, whoa, this guy is a renegade. He's out here. Even though uh, it's he's like... Um, they probably call it like Docuganda or something like that now. Like he's, you can, you know, Michael Moore, where he's coming from. And yeah. like I watched Fahrenheit 9 11 this week. And me too. Like it is still, it's so good. It is. He just like, he's mm-hmm. so sticky. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like very flagrant co- um, clip arts and photoshopping, just like <gasps> to, to be. I don't even really know to what effect or to what end. 
but just like yeah uh i i think like he he i remember having a conversation with my brother about bullying for columbine uh he saw it i think at school or something and i hadn't like we were in separate grades so we didn't watch everything together um and he was like oh it's really good it's so funny and i was like how like so what funny. are you like you're oh you're mixing up the thing you're talking about <laughs> yeah like, this is a documentary it's a serious documentary and then um there are like he does a really good job again sort of through himself which is the way he makes films but um he does this really great job of like presenting his viewpoint in a way that you just really are great with watching and in all of his films, like, there's the one about um, where he goes to Europe and, like, tries to figure out what's wrong in America. I can't remember what it's called. It's mm, okay. I haven't seen that one. But, um, yeah, he, like, there's, like, a big, the best parts about, like, school lunchrooms that he does. Mm. It's in somewhere in Europe. But, um, uh, like, watching it, you know, like, you're like, oh, this is, like, a pleasant, fun, like, he's so good at, like, pacing and, like, knowing what's supposed to come next, or his editor is anyway, the people he works with. And then every once in a while, you're just, like, totally bombarded with the fact that you're, like, just drinking in this viewpoint yeah. so hard. Yeah. Like, you're just chugging his Kool-Aid back just because it's so, it goes down so smooth. Mm. Um. <laughs> That's funny because watching Fahrenheit 9-11 this week, I would not say it went down especially smooth at certain parts. Like, I found some of yeah. it really jarring when he tries to be so glib and, like, sarcastic and he'll try and be like well that's funny isn't it you know like he'll yeah he'll be like as it turns out all of that was a lie and and get very like sarcastic in this way that i actually found quite condescending at times and i was like i get trying to make this accessible and maybe trying to make it kind of more yeah like trying to make it palatable especially because it is i would think a viewpoint that a lot of people in America especially probably would take issue with upon first seeing it. Mm-hmm. But there, it sort of rides this line of, like, you don't need to talk down to your audience quite this much or, like, simplify things quite this much, you know? It's almost an Adam McKay thing in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not that Adam McKay always does that, but there are times, you know, where you're like, okay, you've gone too far on the, like, glib scale and now yeah. it's it's reducing what you're trying to do. But that being said, for me, Fahrenheit 9-11, like, because also so much of it is what I already believe and think and am angry about, it was highly effective at making me feel those things and think about those things. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Also, very annoyingly, nothing has really changed from that documentary. Yeah, truly nothing. It, like, opens with, like, um, like an election fraud and, like, silencing, like, black voters and just all this, like, stuff that it's, like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> it's Yeah, like, a later. president going on golf like vacations. Yeah. Yeah. Political dynasties. Yeah, no, it's like, nuts. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I guess I had another question, but it's kind of a similar, but it's, like, when... Did you guys first think the documentaries were cool? Mm. If you ever had. Uh, uh, I uh, I can I can almost I mean within months uh, pinpoint I think the 
Uh, there's a, a little known movie that came out. Not a lot of people have seen it. It's called Exit Through the Gift Shop. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's like a very small thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it came out in 2010. Um, but it was almost done in 2007, 2008. And uh, there was this like black market underground ad campaign for exit through the gift shop and then it got held up for two years or something um and i remember being so excited about this movie because i didn't know what it was and it looked so cool and all of the things you could like interact with it seemed really cool and they were like releasing videos that were only out on limewire that got taken down because the only way i could watch them and stuff like it's crazy um and i remember this is gonna sound like the craziest sentence you've ever heard i was standing in blockbuster looking for a movie and i heard the the trailer which i had seen like so long before and i heard it and then i looked and like it was like you know available now and i like ran through the blockbuster and was able to finally get it to watch so that's Aww. one for me that was like 2010 i think that happened in something um, blockbuster is so pivotal for you it's a nice place Truly. yeah yeah I I can't think of when it was. Like, it's interesting because I I can't think of when documentaries, like, became a big part of my life. Maybe, like, nature documentaries. I've always been pretty into those, actually, mm-hmm. thinking back to the thing about how there are so many different kinds. But, yeah, it's like, it's like they weren't there that I can think of, and then they just were everywhere. Like, true crime, music documentaries, like, yeah, mm-hmm. art, other things um political stuff so it's it's interesting because i think it speaks to how like widespread the genre is now and how commonly we consume it that it just it kind of feels weird to think about a time when i didn't didn't watch documentaries all the time you know yeah they really did have an explosion moment because i in (laughs) university i took um so i made a i like made a documentary in high school like five minutes <laughs> like things like mm-hmm. you know just like dumb little filmmaker stuff and so I took a documentary class in university and all those documentaries were like uh like a lonely boy or like uh the Bob Dylan one that I referenced earlier mm. like um mm-hmm. they're all like from the 60s and yeah I don't know I and then just like around that time is when like Super Size Me came out and stuff and it's like I guess the modern documentary came and mm-hmm. it really it turned it turned the genre a little bit on its head because like like its job is to document reality i guess but i feel like there wasn't this sort of i don't know people t- had much more creative treatments maybe around, like in the modern documentaries is that a, mm-hmm. can you agree with that or like people like uh, tried to I... use more I- irony or something i i think like like I, I don't I don't know what year pre two thousand pre nineteen ninety five like something like that it was sort of this like don't interact with the subjects like you know mm. be subjective try not to be a part of this thing and then I think there was this element of like beauty involved in like like capturing like these moments that were sort of like like either like visually beautiful or like heartwarming or you know like like just trying to capture something Mm -hmm. as opposed to a much more sort of constructed 
thing that mm. I like. I think is probably more entertaining. I don't know. Right. Um, but uh, I I do think like uh, I'm just sort of thinking back to a bunch of films that I can't really think of. But I I know that like you know it's like a very cinema effort right like they're trying to make it look as visually appealing as possible mm. you know even though it was like there's no preparation or anything mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know if that's true i'm guessing mm. mm-hmm. that might be true uh do you guys think that i i guess i really bumped up against the idea of not biopics necessarily but like just following let's say a pop star over a few weeks and mm. then and then it's a documentary. Where do you guys fall on this? Because I'm not very interested, honestly. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, there's been a real explosion of this over the last several years. I mean, it, if you think of, like, VH1 behind the music, like, this this is something that's been popular for a long time. But, you know, you have, like, the Ariana Grande documentary that just came out. The Taylor Swift one from last year or the year before. Mm-hmm. The Jonas Brothers one. Like... It's, it does seem like a marketing ploy that has just become part of the, like, celebrity ecosystem, which, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not particularly interested in that necessarily. Um, I think Because it's not like it, anything really smart. good. No juice comes out of it, really. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, did I watch the Taylor Swift one? Yeah, I did. And there were a few things that I found interesting. But honestly, it didn't, it wasn't like, oh, this is groundbreaking filmmaking, you know? And Mm -hmm. like, I remember there's that documentary about Amy Winehouse, which I think is just called Amy from like the mid 2000s, maybe, or like early 2010s. Um, And you know, like that is something very interesting because it's, it's about more than just her influence as a musician. It's also about, you know, the dangers of, of celebrity and, you know, addiction and, like it's it's a it's a human story more than like mm-hmm. something for fans to enjoy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and they're de- like you're right, Sean. There definitely is a type mm-hmm. that is like this person's famous. This is like people are interested in this. And uh, I think of like there's sort of differences between I didn't watch the whole Katy Perry one. Mm-hmm. I did watch the whole Taylor Swift one, and like like the motivations behind in those cases I think are really like. A huge part of the of the story because um, the Taylor Swift one was really a lot more about like her trying to like position herself in the world uh, which yeah. like rightfully so like it was well done it was entertaining mm-hmm. I think it was interesting but the Katy Perry one ultimately was about like heartbreak and about things that I don't know if she was willing to share or not but still were a part of it mm-hmm. which I did think made her like more human and you know we got to see and we, elements of her that we didn't otherwise there is the honestly explosive moment when russell brand breaks up with her and she has to perform afterwards that's like yeah. i feel like maybe the only like sort of like yeah sort of wild moment that those sort of mm-hmm. docs really capture that's yeah. just like something that, that she seen. couldn't control yeah that? yeah it is wild um, though. She's like literally just sobbing, and then her face is just like, Neep, and then she's yeah. a Katie robot and goes on stage. 
But why, like, like I don't. Why didn't he just like check the time and be like, oh, maybe like tomorrow would be more appropriate. <laughs> we we no, can't for Russell Brand. And say, yeah, I can say that Russell Brand may not be the world's most considerate human being. Okay, well, perhaps that's fair. that's fair. But still, if anyway, any of Russell's you know, fans put... are listening, don't add us. We don't know any brand heads <laughs> out there. Um, okay, let's move into something that we have all watched this week. Um, I got to watch Grey Gardens for the first time. I don't know why. I don't know where I was. I know that I knew that it was incredible, but I just never got around to it. It's so good. I didn't realize you had never seen it, Sean. What am What What am I doing? Who am I? I don't. That is very unshawn of you. So it mm-hmm. feels like something's been corrected now. Um, the, the, for people yeah. that may not know, it's about two women named Edith Beale, mother and daughter. <laughs> And they live in a dilapidated, like, squalor mansion, basically, that is, mm-hmm. uh, and they tout that they used to be very, or that they still have a lot of popularity, and they're related to Jackie Onassis um, and Lee Radzewell, which they're, like, cousins or something. But they have mm-hmm. basically just no money, and their house is infested with raccoons, and they just wear... <laughs> sort of tattered glamorous Nothing. clothes and yeah uh and are, and have an affected uh mid-atlantic accent and just sort of but seemingly are very happy and enjoy each other but it's just the the crew getting in there it's it's a really wild ride mm-hmm. i i uh i think they live in a different place certainly a different time but I think, like, all of the glamour for them, like, all that magic dust is still on those walls, mm-hmm. and they can still see, you know, and, and think they are sort of this, like, it's this, like, weird American royalty mm. thing. Like, I, like I, there's too many people for that, but I think that that's sort of the part of it. Um, the, the, the constant bickering oh, is, is Just a constant so chatter real. over top of each other. And they like they need each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole like like they have like they're they're sort of two halves of this whole, and um, the way that they just like constantly sort of fight but discuss what they're gonna have for supper, or like you know, and then it's coupled with these absolutely bizarre scenes of like cooking corn in bed and giving it to that boy. Like, so there's a there's yeah, a yeah. there's a handyman named Jerry who I love, and he's just this literal like teenage boy that like likes them or like thinks that they're fascinating and pops over to like help them repair stuff, and they like cook yeah. him food that they just like handle with their hands and just like give it yeah. to him and like, uh, and then little Edie is like spreading rumors. She's like Jerry wants to. Mary mother and it's like no he doesn't or she's like I don't think he does she's like Jerry wants one thing and he'll never get it from me and it's like you are so delusional but it's also like Jerry just likes them it was Mm, that was a weird relationship it's yeah I don't know the whole thing is so crazy yeah it's it's, sorry go ahead Jerry just does little Edie have hair, or is that like no, she wears she lost something her, on her head? She lost her hair. Oh. She has like alopecia or something, like a stress. Oh, alopecia. okay, okay. 
I just didn't know if it was like a look or if there was some motivation. But, well, okay. it's All both right. a look and a motivation, honestly. It's true. Yeah, because she it's loves true. a Luke. Yeah. Oh, and she can well, she's turn iconic a look. Now. And she can. This is my outfit for the a, day. <laughs> she can pin a rag <laughs> out and a sweater <laughs> and just turn it into a real fat outfit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of discussion about this film in terms of um, exploitation or empathy mm. and kind of where mm. where you would fall on this. Um, and honestly, it is prob- it's a bit of both, I guess. Yeah, I think as a viewer, you kind of have to contend with that because it's so absurd and they are so delusional and... and kind of theatrical in this way that you do kind of get caught up in it and find yourself entertained. But then you kind of take a step back and you're like, these two are profoundly mentally ill. They're basically destitute. They're like living in squalor. They're, I mean, they don't seem terribly unhappy, which is a bit confusing to be honest, but Mm. like, um, there's something decidedly tragic about the whole thing. But then I think it it's like just the the juxtaposition of that like tragedy and fascination where it's like you know I think I think you could go into it with every effort to fully be empathetic towards them the whole time and there are still going to be moments when you find yourself kind of laughing at them to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. When like there's a scene where little Edie, the whole movie, Big Edie is singing she's a trained she's a trained singer she still has a beautiful voice even in her 70s and she sings the whole movie and then at the end little Edie is singing a rogers and hammerstein song and big Edie is losing her mind and she's just like shut up you are not classically trained not like i am (laughs) and it's like it gets so wild um and then her top falls off and the camera has to cut away really quickly to like not catch anything yeah, it's like Where? they're like grotesques. I get, like they're like you know, mm. but I loved it so much. Yeah, that's the thing is it's like it's so fascinating and unique. Like what uh, what other story is even like this mm-hmm. that you can't look away? Like even if you had reservations, I think about kind of the voyeurism of it and yeah, exploitation. It's very hard to tear yourself away from it. And and I, I, I like, well, I don't know if you mentioned, it was made in 75, 1975. Mm-hmm. And I think that today, like, if, if this was a movie today, a documentary today, the end would have to be helping them make some make it some kind of better, right? Like, you couldn't just, like, go yeah. in, film that, and leave. You would have to, like, you know, illustrate some sort of, like, you know, oh, here's, like... From the money they got from this, they were able to do X or something, right? But uh, in some ways, cause... it's not right to throw away their their stuff and like uproot them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the the filmmakers do a really good job of like really not interfering. They do, mm-hmm. but uh, like you know, it's it's really subtle. And I think they were just trying to like figure out some way to capture them even though they were talking to them constantly, <laughs> like mm-hmm. yeah. just like talking right to them the whole time. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's wild. And it's actually wild. the version I watched, 
it ended the the last scene was just a phone conversation between one of the living directors and little Edie in like the year 2000 and he basically was just like and he was just like people talk to me about you all the time they love you and she's like yeah well or she's like i should have married you when i had the chance like she's obsessed with marriage also um and like who who shouldn't marry who she could have married um but it is it made me feel a little bit better that she was like she's like what a crazy time of my life Mm. and that she was still you know living in florida wow no that's crazy just eating it up very much eating it up (laughs) eating it up (laughs) bealing all around (laughs) um and also jerry uh you know, the filmmakers tried to find him for years after and they mm. couldn't find him because they wanted to, I don't know, do a follow-up or something. And then he was working as a cab driver and a woman with a camera came in one day in like the 90s. And he was like, oh, you make fil- you make documentaries? And he's like, have you ever heard of Great Gardens? And she's like, that filmmaker has been trying to find you forever. And he's like, I'm the Marble Fawn. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, just like a such a strange, a strange thing that I don't know if you could do now, but I loved it. Yeah, no. yeah. Um, okay, well, we'll I'm be back. Such, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Oh. We might have to save your thought. I was just, oh, I unless was you want to do your thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, you no, please say your thought. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, it's interesting too, like. That, yeah, it couldn't have happened now, but it's been such a cultural phenomenon. Like, you know, they made a movie off of it. Like, you know, I think any conversation about documentaries, you're going to talk about Great Gardens. So it's so interesting to think, like, it maybe was wrong, but also it's been so significant. Like, that yeah. to me is very interesting. It's a movie. It's a musical. It's a play. Mm. It is. It's referenced. It's referenced so often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the blueprint. Okay. We'll be back talking more documentaries on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community. And we're back on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. We are spoiler alert, and we'll be talking more documentaries in a minute. But first, we'll play a little game lovingly called The Game. It's game time, people! For those who don't know, or if you're just tuning in, the game is where I spend a few minutes every week picking a title related to our topic that these two have not seen. I tell them the title... They tell me what they think it's about. I tell them what it's really about. And we all have a great time. Sean and Sonia, are you guys ready to play the game? I'm very yeah. ready for the game. Okay. Uh, just because I think his name is funny. Uh, this uh, is a, uh, a documentary directed by Clay Tweel. Oh, Clay Tweel. Which might be, might be the best name I've ever heard. Uh, it is called Gleason. Gleason. That title again, Gleason. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think Gleason um, is about is about um, is a documentary, and it's about the son of uh, infamous Glee actor Matthew Morrison. No, who... Sonia, it's literally not what I was <laughs> I'm so thinking. Sorry, I'm so sorry, Sean. That's um, so wild. Who our culture has turned on, and rightfully so, 
for his from the Grinch, right. honestly horrific portrayal of Will Schuster on Glee, and then his oh, further the crimes yeah. as the Grinch. Um, and it's just about his hardships as a kid uh, in like middle school, and everyone is like, "Your dad is a nuisance and um, a problem for humanity," and that's what it's about. Okay. All right. Thank you. Wow, thank you. Uh Sean. Uh your uh your uh your your thoughts on uh-huh, the police uh-huh, in this film. Uh-huh, yeah, no problem. So I believe is about uh an artist. His name is Gleason. Um but or actually no, that's sort of his nom de guerre. He signs everything Gleason, and the documentary is a bit of a search to find out who this man is. It's a bit of a Sixto Rodriguez thing where everybody mm. owns a Gleason, but nobody knows who he is. <laughs> and I so then they search. I'd watch. I'd watch that. For searching sure. for Gleason. Wow. Okay. Uh, thank you. Thank you a lot. Uh, both very much. Uh, I'm very amused that you both thought of that <laughs> random version <laughs> of what this is. Um, this actually looks pretty good. Uh, so it's uh, you're both wrong in every way, shape, or form. By the way, mm. uh, so Gleason's American documentary film from 2016. Um, it is about, of course, we all know Jackie the Gleason. New Orleans Saints football defensive back Steve Gleason. Oh, which is, Steve yeah, Gleason. Y- you know, yeah, we all are totally aware of him. Of course, known for his uh, 2006 block of the opposing team's punt, which we all know. Of course, oh, the 2006 it, block of the opposing team's yeah, punt. Yeah, they literally cast it in bronze. Like they act, they absolutely did. Anyway, um, so it's about. Uh, it starts off, and it's sort of about him. Anyway, he gets ALS, and his goal becomes to like be functional until his son can walk. So he starts recording videos oh, so that his son can like give you know give as much of he can give as much as he can to his son anyway uh, i actually don't know what the the man's status is at this moment i could likely click this link and find out when did but you say it came out? The radio so uh 2016 yeah uh, uh, uh well yeah no he does not look good oh god <laughs> no, <laughs> I uh, he might he might uh he might be alive still uh anyway uh but uh it looks really good Mm. And uh, he looks to be, like, quite involved of handling of the camera and filming himself. And uh, it's about, you know, him and his wife and their very young son uh, moving forward. So, anyway, uh, thank you guys for playing the game. And if you have time, uh, watch Gleason, the heartwarming documentary about a man yeah, who has goals. Very feel good, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds uplifting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Jeremy. Uh, you're certainly welcome for not awarding us any points yet again. Nope, nope, that's your own damn fault. <laughs> Despite our amazing synergy, despite the synergy, <laughs> incredible. incredible. Actually, yeah. my incredible. mine was going to be all of the children of uh, all of the cast of Glee oh, recreate like the first honestly. episode. <laughs> um, you should have gone for it. You should have gone mm-hmm. for it. Well, I, it would be quite rude to do the very similar <laughs> right afterwards. It'd be fine. Um, especially in the future, who knows how many more Glee stars will have met a tragic end. So, um, anyway, what else did you guys watch this week? Getting back into some documentaries. 
I um, watched a film from 2008, which um, is actually on Hoopla. It's available through the library, so if anyone wants to watch it, um, you can see it there. It is called Dear Zachary, A Letter to His Son About His Father. And I should have known how it ends because it's based, I mean, it's a documentary. I was about to say it's based on a real story. It's very much because based on a real story. It's, it's real. Um, but I didn't. And so, um, spoiler alert, it's the saddest thing I've ever watched in my entire life. I mean, it's it's not, but it it did destroy me entirely. So, um, at the beginning of the film, you're told by the filmmaker, Kurt Kenny, that he is making this film about his best friend who was murdered, Andrew, um... For said best friend's son, infant son, who he had with the woman who probably, or I don't know actually if she's been convicted now. Um, oh, never mind. She can't be convicted. I just now. realized what I said. Yeah. She cannot be convicted now. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, if you then, don't want this then, movie spoiled for you, you yeah. might want to skip ahead. Um, because I keep saying dumb things and I'm probably about to spoil it, but um, who almost certainly murdered Andrew, um, and then had his baby, and then fought for custody of his baby against his amazing, loving parents. Um, and so Kurt, the filmmaker, decided to um, make this movie about Andrew and who he was, so that uh, Zachary, his son, could watch it when he grew up. Um it is about, it's about Andrew and who he was, but it's also about the legal situation and the battle that Andrew's parents fought to get custody of Zachary, and ultimately the failures of the Canadian justice system, because this took place in Newfoundland, um, because they allowed the mother to um, retain custody of Zachary when she was released on bail, and very tragically she did uh, kill herself and Zachary. Um, mm -hmm. now the movie, I think, I think manipulatively, Jeremy says effectively based on some texts earlier this week, which is true, um, starts mm -hmm. out with Kurt having a conversation with a young boy and it very much makes it seem like he's talking to Zachary's Zachary directly. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. and so then when it comes to the point of the film where you find out that the mother killed Zachary, it is this absolutely devastating shock that just, like, I, like I will say very effectively drives home how horrific it was that this was allowed to happen. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's obviously very personal. Um, have you guys seen it before? No. Yeah. Mm. It was it was a it was a very big deal at some I can't remember when but it was like uh, like everyone was like oh my god have you you know it's so sad anyway mm -hmm. yeah but uh, it was it was it was a pretty big moment mm -hmm. yeah I remember hearing <laughs> but, about it but I had just like never watched it and so I decided to because it's on lots of lists uh -huh. of like you know important documentaries um, but yeah if you wanna. Uh, just be devastated and sort of think about how it's amazing how the legal system can be such a failure for a lot of people in one specific way in terms of bail, like not being accessible and being a way that like allows rich people to 
um, have more freedom than, you know, people who don't have the same means. And then at the same time is like mm-hmm. not restrictive enough in some cases because it just, it was very yeah. obvious, I would say. And obviously, you know, it's easy to say that in hindsight, but it's obvious that this woman posed a danger to the child, like just mm-hmm. was. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. so that, uh, I thought it was just going to be kind of a bit of a true crime thing with like some sad personal stuff thrown in and I was very mistaken. Turn upside down. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, speaking uh, speaking of of, of li- yeah, like literally crying and not being able to hold yourself together, uh, this film that I'm about to discuss is one of the few that absolutely wrecked me. Like mm-hmm. I like I totally lost it. Like I not a lot of things have ever made me cry, and this absolutely fully did. Uh, it's Blockbuster? a documentary. It's pretty blockbuster you know documentary. <laughs> Oh god. Uh no. Uh is it uh it's a, I think I've talked about it on the show before. It's a 2008 documentary Beautiful Losers. Um and it's sort of uh is about art making but it's about this sort of group of artists uh in like I don't know, the late 90s. Uh well maybe a bit older. And it's just about their lives and it's it was really incredible cuz it's like it's all these different things. Um but most notably it it's sort of uh chronicles the 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 death of margaret kilgallen uh and her husband and daughter dealing with it in the documentary and it comes absolutely like everything just happens chronologically Mm. right there's no like there's no story it's just the next thing and the next thing and then it's just suddenly this group of people who have to deal with this this woman just very suddenly dying of breast breast cancer at 33 and Mm. uh it's maybe one of the saddest things I've ever seen. Like it, like it just absolutely is soul crushing. Um, and it does end with this ray of like hope and sunshine, but, uh, like there's a shot of like a man with like a very young baby that he does not know what to do with. And his life has fallen apart. And like, he's just an artist. So there's, that's not really like a stable life Mm. and all these different things. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's nuts. It is absolutely crazy. Uh, but it's very good. This is the thing about documentaries is usually the subjects are kind of sad and crazy. (laughs) Unfortunately. Well, I watched something this week that wasn't very sad. It was a little crazy. (laughs) It was called Operation Varsity Blues, the college admissions scandal. Mm. Oh, yes. Um, and it was kind of fun. They, so the, the format of this documentary is they had a ton of wiretapped conversations and they basically just like had actors read the script and talk on the phone to each other, like, and pretend to be rich people. Um, (laughs) and it's basically just like about the prestige of education and how the lengths that parents will go to get their kids to a certain school, even though you can get an education of very similar caliber basically anywhere, but it's, mm-hmm. they just like are obsessed with the idea of this school. Mm. And you just need, need that name. Hey? You really need that name. It's very, it's very weird. And just like the stress that kids are under to like, to get like, to get their grades up, to, do that i it made me be like i you don't worry about it, you guys <laughs> but yeah, also maybe my life is not day. enviable of them but <laughs> maybe but i was reading a thing the other day about how like 
basically there there has been no increase in the number of of spots in American colleges and universities since like the 1950s but the population has expanded immensely and the demand to go to post secondary has expanded so it has become this like very complicated fraught system because there just aren't enough spots and it's so inaccessible mm-hmm. of course and just like the culture of SAT writing mm-hmm. like the main ca- the main character I should or the man that basically pulled it all off named Rick Singer he worked as a um a college prepper like he, people would hire him to like coach children to you know to ace the exams Mm-hmm. Um, and then he eventually developed, there's like the front door, which is how you just normally get in the back door where you pay a ton of money to donate. Um, but it's not guaranteed or his way, which is the side door, um, which is a bit of a convoluted thing, but honestly watching it made me understand it a bit more. Cause I didn't, I was like, how do you, how, how do you do this? It basically okay. you trick people into thinking that they are going that they are coming in as sports, uh, like as athletes, because he has someone on the inside who just like vouches for them. And then they just don't go to any practices and they just are under the radar. Um, but yeah, there's just like, I, it felt to me that I think there's a bunch of kids, rich kids that will be very shocked to see that. Cause there's so much open conversations about like, my daughter is very stupid. How is she, how are you going to pull this off? <laughs> and they're like, she'll never suspect a thing. <laughs> like they, because they That's can crazy. do it in a way that makes the child think that they wrote the SAT themselves. But then they had he has this proctor that like just does a better test afterwards. So the kid thinks that they nailed this exam and they did not, which is kind well, of sad. But also, yeah, you wish sad, I don't really, that... I'm not too mad at you, right? <laughs> But yeah, that element of like yeah. the parents deceiving just... their kids is a whole other layer that's quite sinister. Yeah, it's a mm-hmm. it would make a strange a bad family dynamic after that. Absolutely. Yeah, not to mention the fact that like uh I was I was reading some stuff about it and like they don't really care once they're in. Like that's sort of enough mm-hmm. to get the prestige that they're looking for and that's it. And it's just like this huge you know, huge, huge abuse of, like, all of these systems that are in place to try and help people succeed. And, yeah, it's crazy. It's nuts. Yeah, like, I remember um, one of Aunt Becky's daughters, who was, like, a a social media (laughs) Mm -hmm. influencer, would just openly talk on her social media, Olivia Jade, about how she hated being in school and, like, didn't even want to go back or be there. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just, yeah. She is in the video. And actually, there's a very abrupt cut of a girl crying. She got she like got denied from college or whatever. And she's like tearfully being like, well, like everyone else worked really hard, too. And they everyone else deserves to be there. And then abrupt cut to this like YouTuber. And it was, <laughs> they did. They did her dirty. <laughs> but also, like, she sort of deserved was... it. Yeah, she yeah, she'd maybe, been doing dirty. Maybe. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about before we shift away from documentaries? Well, I, I don't have a separate what you watch in this week, so I'll maybe just talk about one more as my what you're watching time. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Sure. And this is one that I um, had actually seen part of before, but never got all the way through. Um, it's more recent. It's Nipo Wista Masuin, We Will Stand Up um, by Tasha Hubbard from 2019, which is about um, the murder of Colton Bushy and the Gerald Stanley trial, but also um, just gives um, quite a comprehensive overview of you know, some of the historical issues that come into play and, you know, just the, the tone of racism in the province. And uh, it was extremely hard to watch. It is such a painful story. And so, um, I don't know, it, it just, it's so painful how much things haven't changed. Like we were saying about, you know, Fahrenheit 9-11, like just how many mm. of those attitudes persist and, and um how much things haven't changed even from that case, like just how much was promised to the family um, in terms of like systemic changes that would happen that never happened. Um, you know, and, and so it's something that I think honestly everyone in this province and, and this country should watch. Um, it's on the NFB website, the national film board. Um, it's, it's, it's a beautiful film. Um, it's, it has moments of being very personal. Tasha tells her own story, and she's uh, somewhat connected to um, Colton's family. Um, and yeah, I just think it's it's a good reminder because there are maybe things that we all know and remember from that case, but there are some specifics that are just like so devastating that people mm-hmm. might not still be thinking about, you know, in terms of like the jury selection and, you know, the um, the province's decision not to appeal and... Like just just so many facets of it are so so awful and important to I think be thinking about. So yeah, it's um another very sad one, but um a really well made film that is worth watching for sure. Yeah, I would like to watch that. Um, and yeah. it'll be also accessible through a library card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jeremy. Um, uh, I. I, I've talked. I've talked about this before, but I would. I would. I would be upset if I didn't talk about it. I looked up how long this is, and I. I feel. I feel shame, uh, but it's still really good. Uh, and that's of course Ken Burns' uh, uh, Vietnam War, mm. which might be the best documentary of all time. It is seventeen and a half hours. <laughs> oh, Ken! Ken is the Zack Snyder of documentaries. Yes. Yeah. Um. It honestly, you guys like. It is so compelling, and, like, he is just so good at, like, sort of piecing together bits of history and, like, like you know, looking at it from every angle and coming at it again. And I think the fact that he had, like, people on both sides of the conflict that were able to come mm. and talk, and the fact that he was able to, like, really scrutinize, like, a lot of the decisions that were made, because everything was so well documented right. compared to previous conflicts, um... Like, it's, like, it's just, it's, it's really, really crazy. And he's put this level of depth into his other works. Like, one, what's the one about just, like, baseball? Yeah. I think. There's a a long one on baseball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think that the Vietnam War, like, can take that amount of, Mm. like, picking apart. Like, I think there was so much going on. And um, it's really interesting, because he always, like, 
has the American side where it's about the Cold War, and then the Vietnamese side where it's much more of a civil conflict. Mm. And uh, it it is just really interesting. I I'm start I wa- I'm watching it again. You guys, uh, <laughs> I started watching Wait, it this week just for like oh I'll, I'll just get a refresh. Like I'll just like watch a couple <laughs> to get like a you know, and like I'm not gonna stop. It's not gonna <laughs> it's not gonna end. I just put it on again. And it's just always, oh it's God. always just there. Your child is going to be graduated before you're done this. Oh, she doesn't. She doesn't watch. <laughs> like, not when she's awake. Yeah, no, come on. Uh, no, but by the time you finish, she'll be terrifying. an adult. But I mean, you'll look up from Ken Burns after the credits roll and uh, you'll be like, I have a teenager. Guys, this is the third time I've watched it. You're so in its entirety. <laughs> it's so good. He does such a good job. And there's like, Tons of photographs and mm. footage. He does have to reuse a lot. Like it does, it it happens. It's not as bad as World War Two in color. But, but over um, seventeen it's... hours, do you think he could have <laughs> taken a bit of a bit of an editing, cut a few things, or you you believe yeah. it's I, all there? I I don't like I I I I will every once in a while. I'm like, this is really long. Like I'll just like no that kidding. will be my reaction to it, and then. And then I'll turn it off, like, I'll pause it and, like, go to bed or, like, do whatever I'm supposed to do. And then, honestly, like, 20 hours later, I'm like, what's Ken Burns up to? And I just keep watching. Wow, I wish I could quit you, Ken it's Burns. so good. It's so good. <laughs> uh. um, I watched a movie this week called The Opposite of Sex. Have you ever, have you guys seen this? It's, um... Uh, no. It stars Christina Ritchie. Uh, she is like a horrible sort of monster woman. <laughs> She's like a 16-year-old girl <laughs> that is like that is like a very bad seed. And she just manipulates and lies to people all in her life. And then she the she develops a sort of following of people trying to bring her to justice, including like Lisa Kudrow and Lyle Lovett as a sheriff. And her <laughs> Her uh, half brother. All these people are like stalking her across the country, trying to make her like uh, come to justice. She like steals a dead brother's ashes. She she's just insane. Um, but I, I like I remember seeing this um, on a rental shelf when I was a kid, and I was like, "This looks amazing." But then my <laughs> parents were like, "No, no, no, no," and it's very sexy and very. Not very, she uses terrible language, very bad language. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was it was on Amazon Prime uh, and I stumbled across it and was like, this is definitely the film for me. It also Ooh, features uh Johnny Galecki as a young hustler type uh boy that <laughs> with false accusations that has a, a small role. It's it's a lot to. To, get, to take in, honestly. That sounds like it. <laughs> I don't know if I would suggest it, but I did have fun. Seeing Lisa Kudrow <laughs> is a, a treat. Yeah. It always is. Um, well, I'd like to thank Saskatoon's The Garys for letting us use their song Manatuna for our theme song. Thanks to everyone at CJTR and all of you for lending us your ears. This show is broadcast Wednesdays at 6, Thursdays at noon, and is available as a podcast on the CJTR website, Spotify, and Apple Play. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, so give us a follow and have a great night. Bye. See ya. Bye.